I didn't have a family. Um, you know, I didn't really grow up to have that. I lost access to my kids for a while. That uh, had a fundamental um, effect on me, certainly on them too. Mm. And ex-forces is my family. And that community part is so important, uh, not just to what we do and what we deliver, but also what they do for me too. Since 2013, X-Forces Enterprise has been helping members of the military community to start their business journey through training, mentoring, funding, and ongoing support and connections. From service leavers and veterans to spouses and other family members, X-Forces Enterprise has supported thousands of people, many of whom have incredible stories of success and overcoming adversity. This series of podcasts celebrates their achievements and seeks to demonstrate what can be achieved when you combine the unique ethos and aptitude of the armed forces community with the right support network. The series is hosted by the founder and CEO of X-Forces Enterprise, Lieutenant Colonel Ren Kapur, MBE. So Ren, tell me, where did the calling come to help people transition from the military to a civilian life and start their own business? Mm. It's a really good question, actually, Alex. And um, I've got to go back a little bit. So back in 2012, I just sold my shares in my last uh, venture and I decided I was going to take a year out. Now, anybody who really knows me will know that I've also helped, um, especially young people, uh, to understand business admin and finance. I was appointed by Secretary of State in 2009 to be the national champion. So it was always in my DNA. So that mm. year out was really to, to go and uh, do some vocational uh, education and an MBA. And I found that government were doing quite a lot at that point to really prime the market um, and pump prime the market with new startups which was brilliant, but there was one really big thing missing, which was the handrail support, which was vital as far as I was concerned, because yes, it's important to have finance, but uh, without the uh, wraparound support, it's quite linear. Mm. So uh, yeah, back in 2012, but uh, it was very much uh, something that I was you know, very passionate about, and particularly um, uh, individuals who may not uh, find their career choice through uh, traditional going to you know big corporate or other business and working for somebody. Mm. And taking it even further back then, um, yeah. were you one of those children who exhibited entrepreneurial skills yourself at a young age? Like I, I interview people and they, they you had a lemonade stand in the, end of the driveway. Were, yeah. you, were you one of those children? Yeah, I, absolutely. And Alex, it's a, it's a fun question to ask, actually. Um, <laughs> yes, I think my, I'm not realising it at the time, but my entrepreneurship really started when I was like six, seven years old. And uh, we were one of those uh, families where both of our parents worked. So mum would come home on a Friday night with her little brown pay packet with mm. cash in it. And it would be distributed on a Friday. Here's your pocket money for the week. You know, that included your lunch. And I used to spend most of it, you know, on <laughs> books and also on sweets and then sell the sweets at a little bit of a a profit right. uh, and then and then eat the, the profit with my friends so you know it was a case of uh yeah so it was a case of actually I suppose uh, belonging but through enterprise 
uh, and entrepreneurship. So I, I didn't do the lemonade stand, <laughs> but I did do the sweetie stand. And, and did um, your parents encourage you to do that? Were they both working, did you say? Neither of them yes. had their own business or any? Yeah. Okay. No, I think my mother would have been a little bit distraught had she known I spent my week's lunch money um majority of it on sweets before the end of the weekend so yeah yeah. so no I don't think my mum really did that but my father um he came from uh, background uh um British Indian my parents were born in India my father came from a bit more of an entrepreneurial uh background um in India so Mm. You know, they were in business. Um, so, yeah, there was, he would have encouraged it. I think, you know, if he was looking down now, he'd be thinking, yeah, you know, there's a bit of that spark there. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, and schooling wise, did you always have an idea of what you wanted to do career wise? Did you want to start your own business or was yeah. it more that you had a certain career path kind of mapped out for you at a young age? Um, Alex, this is a, it's uh, an interesting one because I didn't have a conventional upbringing. Both parents were working. I have uh, three older brothers who are much older than me. They were born in India. I was the one that was born here when my mum came. You know, a little bit later, my father uh, came first and mum and the, the boys were back in India and then uh, uh, that she brought them over some years later. So it wasn't necessarily quite conventional. Um, so uh, when my the biggest impact on my life and my career, not really knowing this at the time, was when my father passed away. I was 15 years old when my father passed away. And that fundamentally changed my life. I had an arranged marriage at 16 and two days. It's really important, that piece, because it wasn't 16 going on to 17. Right. I was literally just 16. Wow. Uh, so that was uh, that was tough. Mm. Um, what, I, what I felt I wanted to do, and, um, you know, I was, I was business always uh, had a, an impact. I like that, you know. Um, working mum I think there was a a film Mm, but uh, at that time really it was about the armed forces in fact it was about the army I didn't really know much about the RAF and Navy at that time so what did uh, have a big impact on me was the Lord Kitchener big poster we want you and I'm I'm looking back now as an adult I can see why that was uh, important that was a very much a powerful powerful image back in the day especially on somebody so young Mm. because if it was a case of I want to be part of that Mm. I want to be wanted not realizing that as a young person really that's quite sad and quite uh, inspiring now uh, to to know that had a big impact on me and the other one I have got to say was Private Benjamin. Uh, really no (laughs) absolutely so yeah that was the era of private benjamin wanted that uniform wanted to be part of that but also the lord kitchener uh advert really uh, had a big big effect on me and do you remember where you saw that first of all yes it was my yes a hundred percent because and actually and i think that also makes a big difference because it was a big poster um and it probably now was just a normal size poster. But to me, as a young kid, it was huge. Yeah. And it was in my brother's bedroom. Uh, okay. And uh, so, you know, when I used to sneak in there to, to go and, and sneak out, I used to look at that. And I remember even now just standing looking at that poster. Mm. Yeah. 
And some entrepreneurs leave formal education to start their own business because yeah. they don't want to stay in the system. Um, you left formal education for very different reasons. Yeah, I have got to say I wasn't really conforming, if I'd be really honest with myself. Um, I had a lot of energy. Um, I was constantly being told. And I remember that, you know, I remember also telling myself this as well. But um, I was always, you know, you know, I'm driving in the fast lane sort of thing. Um, I'm going far too fast. So, you know, I wasn't really conforming in what was a traditional British Indian family construct mm. and also from my hilltop I was always inquisitive and that took attention uh, away mm. from the academic treadmill so yeah I think you know uh, traditional education I love education do not get me wrong I'm always reading I was always reading as a young kid as well but I also wanted to do something with it yeah uh, so yeah I, I know for sure that I wasn't conforming in the traditional treadmill of education. Okay. And you said you had an arranged marriage when you were 16 yeah. in two days. Yeah. Um, when you look back to that now, do you think you, you were just a kid yourself? Uh, you... I'd be horrified if one of my children mm. uh, came to me and said, at 16, I'm getting married. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be horrified if any child came to anyone and said, I'm mm. getting married at 16. I think you're really still trying to just find yourself. Mm. Um, I don't have any regrets because, um, you know, that, that arranged marriage didn't work. You know, that, but uh, what I did have, you know, is at 17, I had my first young, my first child. So Aaron was born at 17. I had my first business at 18. Wow. Um, so that was a, a big change. And I'll tell you a little story about that, which is quite Please good fun. And then I had my second son, Vin, at 19. So I wouldn't change it for all the teen China. However, it is still... Um, it is still too young, really. I would have thought for for me it was really, but at eighteen, I remember going um, taking Aaron and in a pushchair into Birmingham because uh, our our business was based in Birmingham, and I bumped into my friend who I still uh, I'm connected to now, and she was going to college, and I was there uh, with with Aaron, and she said, "And how are you?" And I said, "Well, I'm just nipping out for a few hours." Um, but we've got a tax audit happening. So it was a two worlds apart. You yeah. know? Somebody who's going into college and then here's somebody who's got a tax audit that's happening in the next couple of days knowing I'm going to be really busy. So I, I, And that will always stay with me as well. And I remember thinking, wow, I wonder what that would have been like going to college. Yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, I, I wouldn't change it. Mm, interesting. And what was your relationship with your, with your family like back then? Yeah, so... Um, Pretty much uh, how it is now, to be really honest, Alex. I, I don't, um, it was tough. Um, yeah, I ran away. Um, so, um, you know, the, the uh, arranged marriage wasn't working. You know, um, it was uh, emotionally not a great place uh, mm. for, for, for me. Uh, for, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously probably for my ex as well. And um, what was really fundamental at that time was that I was expected to stay in a relationship that wasn't working. 
and my family disowned me uh, I, uh, every time I left. So I had nobody. And literally, I had no network of friends because that hadn't really been encouraged. It was mostly right. family. So not only did his family would have disowned me anyway mm. because they were going to side with him, um, with my ex-husband, but my family disowned me too. So right. I didn't really see my children properly for about six years and they were only four and six. Um, and and again, um, enterprise and having my own business played a fundamental role in me and my purpose and also getting uh, access to my children because I had to build myself back up. And if yeah. I hadn't had the opportunity, sorry, I'm getting a little bit emotional now. I'm not so, surprised. No, so if I hadn't had the opportunity um, to, to uh, through uh, business, work hard, and uh, I wouldn't have been able to go and get custody of my eldest, my eldest son and then get uh, access to my youngest son as well. Yeah. So I've got a lot to be thankful of for this country actually and the encouragement that we still place in people who want to explore business whether they want to work for themselves or work in business I think that there's some great stuff that's out there but that's what's really um, really been under the essence of x-forces and also creating x-forces as well if we peel back the layers Mm. uh, back to why I started x-forces. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, as a father, again, uh, two children, I couldn't imagine what that might have been like. Mm-hmm. And and then you literally started your first business as well. So did that yes. bring you some measure of independence? Was that one of the reasons that you, you yeah. wanted to do that? It was, um, independence comes with it. But if we go back to, I didn't have a traditional um, education. I wasn't conforming in the traditional conveyor belt of education. Mm. Then I had an arranged marriage. And then it was a case of, you know, there was still clearly some grit. I wasn't going to be a stay-at-home no. mum for myself because that wasn't my destiny. And I actually couldn't afford to do that because I wanted to create some financial independence to be able to go and have access to my children again. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a case of uh, it wasn't just about financial independence. It came a little bit out of adversity, but financial yeah. uh, independence was a result of hard work, yeah. yes, for sure, and it is important to have that. Do you think that message is as relevant today um, as it was then, that the, the skills and knowledge that the enterprise bring are, are life skills that all people should? And and again, Alex, this is brilliant because uh, enterprise skills, you know, and uh, I'm a real advocate for this, they are so important, whether you are an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, mm. and whether you are working for yourself and starting your own business, or whether you are taking those skills into somebody else's business. And I mentioned uh, a little while ago, I was appointed by the Secretary of State in 2009 to be uh, the champion for business admin and finance. I, the project that we worked on was to get uh, education and business to really work together. And big business, the FTSE 500, you know, the chief executives have spent a lot of time interviewing and working with a a, a huge amount of them. And they were saying things like, well, we're getting the academic side 
through our young people coming out, but they're still the softer life skills that they're not necessarily having. Mm-hmm. So enterprise skills are fundamental, in my humble opinion, as life skills for the future. And hey, we're going to ebb and flow between employment, self-employment, you know, side hustles, all of that. Absolutely. Sort of yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not one career for the rest of your life, no. just as X-Force <laughs> clearly, clearly demonstrates with a lot, with a lot of people. Um, and, and moving into that, um, talk to me about the timeline and, and the reasons around why you decided to start um, X-Forces Enterprise. Right, so um, back in 2012, um, the Secretary of State for Business at the time, and actually Lord Young, who was the, the genius behind uh, microfinancing and has been, I mean, he's, that's what he's been done, done, that's what he's been doing in his government life. There was that new initiative, which was the Startup Loans. Mm. And also there was a big announcement about the access to uh, community groups and in some cases vulnerable community groups and that really you know all the work that I'd been doing previous to that that sort of like really sparked something for me and I delved into well what does that look like and I found that actually there was a group um, that that the armed forces who if you look back they it's a spare sense of belonging they're now transitioning out and a lot of people who would have joined the armed forces would have loved the camaraderie mm. of being within the armed forces. And, and part of their transition, you know, coming out, that was a big loss. So how could X-Forces and the X-Forces community really build that? But more importantly, if we were just lending and a bit of mentoring isn't going to necessarily uh, get the success uh, ratio that people want. So they, you know, how do we build events? How do we build training? All of that sort of stuff. So actually, it was um, it was something that was not just okay. We know the process, and we know that, that there's a, a wider process. But what we also didn't want to do is let people down because for some people, starting up their own business may have been a last resort. And yeah. if they fell, you know, if they, if they fell at the edge of the table, we didn't want to have that situation whereby that safety net wasn't there. And I wanted to be that person that was in the armed forces. And, you know, they've served our country. You know, these individuals are special. Mm. Um, I'm really proud to say uh, I've actually now become a reservist. So now, you know, that big thing that I've always wanted to do as a young kid, I've now actually been able to do that as well. So I sort of get it from both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I was going to say, what what, um, different perspective has, has that added for you, a bunch of things, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh, there's so so many things. Uh, first of all, um, I could my experience of being within the armed forces has been that my colleagues have been so welcoming, and I'm quite humbled uh, of being able to come into that environment and be able to support that environment with some of the knowledge and experience that I have so that's a good thing Mm. but I do I do still I'm very green behind the ears and it's really (laughs) it's really interesting you know how individuals might be feeling when they're transitioning out and it's all to do about it's all to do with confidence and it's all about that confidence you know am I wearing my beret right Mm -hmm. you know and that have I got my uniform on and am I uh, providing the right you know and and respecting people in the right way Mm. all of those things are the things that 
you automatically want to be able to do in the right way. What I do in terms of adding value, yeah, that's my day job, bringing that into the armed forces. That's no no hassle at all. But I'm still I'm still transitioning. <laughs> and and what I think is is key, having seen it from different providers of startup loans and mentoring, is that you know entrepreneurship can be quite a lonely place. Yeah. Um, and what it seems to me what you've done is is create a sense of community and a sense yeah. of belonging because yeah. otherwise it's get a loan 12 months of support well we all know that it can yeah. turn into 10 20 30 year career but yeah. where's the support after that yeah. and okay so there's you know it's a great initiative in terms of uh being able to have access to finance that's yeah. that's great but if we be really honest about it, if I be really honest about it, I didn't have a family. Um, you know, I didn't really grow up to have that. I lost access to my kids for a while. That uh, had a fundamental um, effect on me, certainly on them too. Mm. And X Forces is my family. And that community part is so important, uh, not just to what we do and what we deliver, but also what they do for me too. And I was interviewed by um, Bayes, it was Biz at the time when we first started out, and the woman behind the camera, she was interviewing me. And uh, and again, she'll be somebody I won't forget. And she just came away from the camera, turned it off, and she said, so basically, you just created your own family, haven't you? (laughs) And she had tears in her eyes, and she made me cry too. And basically, yeah. (laughs) Uh, the people who belong in the X-Forces community um, and are part of our family, and we do talk about it in that way. Mm. So, yeah, it's more than let's just give you some access to tools and finance. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. not what we're about. Awesome. And and what do you feel you've achieved uh, six years in? A lot, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, do you know what? We've all achieved it together. You know, even you doing this interview are part of our family now. So, you know, I've got an amazing team. Um, I do roll my sleeves up and get stuck in. And I've been told that that's one of the things that they love about about what we do. Um, But the biggest achievement is it's got to be that we've seen so many of our businesses flourishing and staying with us. So they could have gone out of the community, but they're that now, the advocates they're now the peer providing the peer-to-peer mentoring and stuff so it's nice to be able to see that uh, virtuous circle of success happening but also the recognition that if you are an x-forces enterprise business you are you mean something Mm. so that i feel really proud about and people see it from government to the third sector to our charity partners and we've got some amazing big businesses that are part of our community. And, and tell me, um, throw a few, few facts at you, but um, uh, one of the facts that jumped out to me was the fact that 30% yeah. of the people that you're, you're able to help are actually females. Yeah. Which is an amazing statistic given the national average. Yeah. And, you know, Alex, it's really interesting because I'm, I'm just such a big champion of... Uh, women and women in enterprise and there's a lot of work that's being done 
by some influential people to make sure that women have the right opportunities. And I think the opportunities are there, but we do need to shape slightly different things. You know, when we look into it, things like childcare is still, yeah. you know, an in- inhibitor. Mm. Uh, so that's one thing, and access to finance, which obviously we've got access to. Um, but it is incredible that, you know, the armed forces is prom- predominantly male-dominated, yet spouses and yeah. veteran uh, uh, females have all uh, joined, and I'm really proud of that, you know, 30% that we have, mm. without being specialist in just uh, delivering for women. So that's, you know, I think we can do more for spouses, and uh, not we can, we will. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's great. And and success rate you've had with the microfinancing as well is yeah remind me is it like in the nineties right. or something crazy yeah it's <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's over ninety percent and and um, I get asked that Alex on a, on a, a quite a few occasions as to what is what why is it that it's so high for you guys because mm. we've got quite a lot of people that come through and we're supporting and fundamentally it's because of uh, three things, support before you start, support during your uh, start Mm. and after, okay? So those are the three things in terms of support, but there's another very different important part. We measure success by making an informed decision to start your own business. And equally as important to that is making an informed decision not to start your own business. And people come on the training. You know, it's a bit like, it's not a slot machine. Oh, you've come on a training program. So the emphasis is that you must start. In fact, we make it very clear you're on this program to make sure that this is right for you and understand where your red lines are and is this something that you want to do. So I think those are the t- those are the fundamental reasons why we've got such a high success rate on the microfinancing. Um, and conversely, what are some of the challenges, some of the biggest challenges that you're currently facing? Yeah, and I guess um, our biggest challenge is also our biggest strength. Mm-hmm. And that biggest challenge is that um, we're, we've always talked about collaboration from day dot. And, you know, if you look back to the plan that was put together before we even launched, it was collaboration with three stakeholder groups. That's business, charity and government. Right. And we can demonstrate in all three of those the impact that we've had. And it's basically making sure that we're always aligned on those three stakeholders to get the best for our beneficiaries. So the biggest challenge is making sure that, you know, that also those stakeholders get it. You know, if you take government, it's not just Treasury, who's, uh, you know, so the British Business Bank and where the microfinancing comes from and the startup loans, but the benefit we're making to uh, the health department to DWP and Mm. all of those sort of things. So there's a real impact there, big business. We've made a conscious decision that we are only going to work that closely with 20 big businesses who really fit into our ethos. So we call them the magic 20. And it's really phenomenal because then we can really work. It's not just, oh, let's have this big business working with us because... 
uh, they've got the means to do so. It's, mm. Does it align? Do they really understand the needs of the beneficiaries? How else can they make that impact? And of course, then it's our charity partners. We are a, a, a community interest company, 100% not for profit because we elected to be that. But why, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at whether we should be a charity or mm. a CIC or a limited company. But what we wanted to make sure is that actually a charity then sort of being the advocate for guys, you need to make some profit what you do with it, whether it's social or whether it's actually feeding the family or being, you know, um, you know, being able to buy your next car or whatever it means to you. Mm. But you have to be profitable to do that. Then being a third sector and a charity didn't make sense for us. But also um, to be really fair. We're also a service provider to our charity partners, and we're so so grateful uh, to our charity partners. They're awesome. Mm. And and tell me about some of the the changes that you've, you've been able to implement. Because there must have been certain times <laughs> during the, the six years that you, you you've had to yeah. approach that and, and maybe go about things in a slightly different way than the, yeah. than the government used to. This is uh, this is comes back to I'm, I'm only laughing because this probably goes back to my personality as that wee little girl that was never mm. going to take no for an answer and, and my father used to call me why because apparently I used to uh, always ask well why why do I need to do that and why can't I do that so that sort of really reflects back to the fact that we've made two policy changes in our six years and we're not going to stop there there's lots of things that we can help and support in terms of government and, and uh, working with people like the Federation of Small Business, which I'm also very proud of. But the first policy change was we had to effect that change before we even started. We lobbied Lord Young, actually, and uh, the Secretary of State for Business uh, to alter uh, the startup loans policy because at that time it was only available that just increased the age limit to 30 and that was it. And oh, that wow. would not have worked for our armed forces community. No, so no. the papers and everything that I had to write and the endorsements that we needed to get mm. to be able to have that policy altered so that there was no age limit so that our uh, community could benefit from that. We were the only organisation, Alex, in the UK with no uh, age limit for just under a year. And then uh, the Startup Loans Organisation and, and uh, Treasury saw that, you know, these guys are doing something mm -hmm. great and actually it's making so much difference to society that they uh, took the, the age uh, cap off across the board. Wow. So we, we affected that. That's an endorsement in itself. Yeah. <laughs> and the second one was really about the Armed Forces Covenant. Uh, which is doing some amazing things, but it's all about employment. And we wanted to see in parity, self-employment working alongside that. And there's still a lot to do still on that agenda because mm. everybody still talks about employment. And I think, you know, we're really putting on the uh, on the map about self-employment and enterprise. Mm. And, and so today, X-Forces Enterprise are the UK's largest provider of enterprise and, um, and business support to the military community. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. We're, okay. we're the UK's <laughs> largest and we've got a national uh, footprint. So we, we, we go across the UK and we also deliver in Northern Ireland 
Um, and we've just sort of uh, stopped delivering in Germany. So we've been de delivering oh, in Germany okay. as well. So with our troops coming back, mm. the next big project is how do we actually support the families uh, who are now uh, resettling back in the UK? Big, big piece of project. Mm. Big work to be done. I bet. And, um, it, it's, and it's celebrating six years. Um, is, is this podcast and, and TV channel... Um, one of the ways that you're looking to share those success stories yeah. that you've got to try and tap into people yeah. who aren't aware. Right. So we, you know, we are uh, getting our beneficiaries who have been through the program come in at different uh, from different pathways. Whether that was because it was a uh, a decision to take a hobby to, into a commercial or explore enterprise, or be the the next person who wants to employ other people from the armed forces so we'll have a series of podcasts and vlogs that are happening throughout the next uh, 12 months uh, so that you know people can uh, listen share be inspired mm. maybe even just help or be part of what we are you know calling the ex-forces community family so it'd be it'll be great i'm excited good and, and, and just to finish off um you were recognised yourself um, a couple of years ago, I believe, on the in the Queen's uh, 90th birthday honours. Yes. Just tell us a little bit about the emotions around that, and, and when you reflect back, maybe a couple of years on. Alex, uh, it was a Saturday, and this letter came out, uh, came through the letterbox, and I was in my marigold, uh, just doing <laughs> a little bit of that that spring clean. And uh, it's uh, when you go back, and it's quite, uh, yeah, quite emotional. I. You, you know, the, it was an official envelope. So I thought, oh, goodness me, something from Companies House. What haven't I, you know, what, 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 what's this now? So I opened it and you skim read. You don't, you know, when you when you get something quite official, you skim read. And uh, and I saw this, so it was from David Cameron, was the um, uh, Prime Minister at the time. So it was from the Cabinet Office on his behalf. And uh, I actually rang them on Monday and said, I think you've made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, no. uh, is this Julie just thinking about it you know or they said no this is uh we would like you to make a decision as to whether you want to accept the uh, MBE or not yeah. and I said are you sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Amazing. yes um and then the family joke is that you know in 2012 I was supposed to be doing my MBA. It decided that that apart that, and decided I wanted to do, you know fix the world. Um, and yeah, I got an E instead of an F. <laughs> Love it, great story. Yeah. Um, and, and just last question for you, um, for those who, who are watching and or listening to this, what's the easiest way that people can can get in touch if they'd like to find out more about yeah. um, what you do? So my team are as passionate about X forces and helping. Uh, the armed forces community please pick up the phone or go to the websites the easiest it's x the letter x x dash hyphen forces.com so x hyphen forces.com and uh, just put in an inquiry form and somebody will be in touch usually within 24 hours so awesome yeah. thank you very much no, indeed appreciate you. it lovely lovely to meet you me too X-Forces Enterprise is the leading organisation supporting the military into business and enterprise learning in the UK. 
providing training, mentoring, networking, and government-backed loans for startup businesses. Our microfinance success rate is over 90% and reflects the handrail of support our beneficiaries receive. Exforces Enterprises' model of support reflects the ethos and values of the armed forces by providing a community and a sense of belonging. As a member of the Army Reserves and an entrepreneur since an early age, these are values I hold dear. I also believe that enterprise skills are life skills, whether you are starting your own business, preparing for employment or volunteering. Exforces Enterprise have helped to equip thousands for the next path in life. If you are a member of the Armed Forces community and want to find out how X-Forces Enterprise can support your discovery and journey into enterprise, please visit us on x-forces.com. That's the letter x-forces.com.